Jason Voorhees. Well, that makes me think of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. to my Sebastian. My buddy Friends is here. We got a fun one, at least in my opinion tonight. But before we get to that, to show our thanks and appreciation for our um, our, our fans, I guess we could call them fans, um, our supporters, anyone who decides to at least sit down and watch us for an hour, um, we do have our first official contest. And what it is, is we have a Christmas present uh, for one special winner and basically all you have to do is because next week we have our christmas episode and we will review we will reveal the i guess the the idea for that one in said episode but we have a mystery christmas present to one lucky winner and uh as as frenzy has shown it off here in his best vanna white uh impress, impression um all you really have to do is first off um since i said it was next week is christmas related in the comments below here all you have to do you do not have to make a video if you don't want to um just comment below what is your favorite christmas movie you don't have to put any effort into it if you don't want to you can just say it's a wonderful life gremlins santa sleigh anything you can say why, but you don't have to. All you have to do is comment below, and you are entered. Um, I would suggest we... just type ELF, because it's three letters. It's the shortest thing. And <laughs> everyone just type ELF. And that's okay, too. If, if we get 20 entries and they're all ELF, you're all entered regardless. Um, we will have ourselves a drawing, and we will pick ourselves a winner. It's going to be totally random, totally 100% fair. Um, and then we will find a way to get a hold of said person and mail it out. Um, you don't have to make a video if you don't want to unwrapping this, but if you do, we, we're not going to, we're, we're going to appreciate that. We'll just say it that way. But all, once again, all you got to do, comment below, tell us your favorite Christmas movie, whether it's elf or not. And you are entered into, uh, the first official two bearded losers Christmas present contest. Hello, boys and girls. Stephen King here. I just want to let you guys know that the deadline for the Two Bearded Losers contest will be Thursday, December 12th at 7 p.m. So get your favorite Christmas movie down in the comments, and you're automatically entered December 12th, Thursday, 7 p.m. And um, I'll just go ahead and tell you what my favorite Christmas horror movie is. It's called Stephen King's It! Chapter 2 which is now on Blu-ray, so it would make a great stocking stuffer, guys. Go get your copy of Stephen King's It, Chapter 2, and uh, put it in your, all your fam friends and family stockings. I can get multiple copies if I were you. I'd get five or six, seven, eight, whatever. Get them while they're hot, baby! There, that was easy. Yeah, that's fun. All right. All right. Now on to this episode. 100% my idea. 
Um, the week that this should be available, audio and video, is a week of Friday the 13th. And we've already discussed the series of the Friday the 13th movies um, four or five episodes ago. Um, and we, we we jokingly say how we spent more time talking about Halloween 2018 in that than the actual Friday the 13th series. But this time, uh, we're going to discuss, it might not be my favorite entry, but it's the one I've watched the most. It's the one I probably have the most fun with. Definitely not the one that's the best made, but I've defended this movie on numerous platforms, I guess you would say. Um, today we're talking Jason Goes to Hell, Final Friday. Uh, it is the ninth entry, if you can believe that, in the Friday the 13th series. Um, God, I love this film so much. I don't really know what Frenzy has to say about it. Um, Never heard of it. <laughs> what's um, what's I, it called again? It's the one where he's on the boat. No, um, I. This was probably the first film I ever defended on my YouTube channel because it's now it seems like finally getting a quote unquote following. But you know, for the longest time, I felt like I was the only one that you know, not to say enjoyed it. Well, I guess I would say enjoyed it, but I, I more than enjoyed it. I absolutely love this film. Um, and it's one of those films where I actually don't get tired of talking about it. It's brought up whenever I personally talk about Friday the 13th, whenever I talk about horror movies in general, because it's just, it's so much fun for me. Um, <laughs> there actually is a plot which i'll get to but uh initial thoughts frenzy on this one uh two statements here one being i've probably said this before but this is the last movie that my entire family saw together in the movie theater that's my mom my dad and all six kids so that's my memory of this fucked up <laughs> Like weird, the weirdest of all the Friday Thirteenth movies. Um, I'll never oh, forget mom, seeing that. Dad, it, all six kids. Mom, dad, and all six kids got together to go see Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> yeah, isn't that? It's like we're, um, you know, like one of Rob Zombie's uh, fictional <laughs> families. <laughs> and it was not a regular movie theater either. We had this place in Biloxi. Well, the Katrina Hurricane Katrina destroyed it, but it was called Silver Screen Cinema. And they had, like, Lazy Boy, not Lazy Boy chairs, but uh, swivel chairs with coffee tables. So yeah. if you had, like, six people, then you pulled six chairs together and put it around a table. And it's also next to a military base. So every time we, there were always drunk um, Air Force guys, like, always fights, people, like, throwing down in there. Mm -hmm. Especially for movies like this. So I, I definitely remember some horrible things about that place. But, you know, uh, there was the good, too. And I just that's a little anecdote. But the second thing, I was hinting towards this offline. I always try to get to, like, the root of people's obsessions. Mm -hmm. Or at least try to understand it a little bit more. I don't know anything about psychology. I just want to know what happened to you. <laughs> I, 
as Why a are you the way you are as a youth there has to be something that happened that triggered <laughs> this obsession or you're you're so defensive of it you have to fight people all the time about this yeah i never had to deal with that because mm-hmm. I, I would just tell people to get fucked especially mm-hmm. if i was a kid and someone's gonna start yapping about how friday the 13th i mean uh jason goes to hell is not a real sequel like i don't have time for that get out of my face mm-hmm. so what is it about this movie i mean crispin glover i was saying there's something to that too but we'll have to save that for a longer episode yeah um well god like i said you're probably gonna have to reel me in on this one i, I said um because i could talk for ages on this one there's so much i love about this movie because first off it's something new oh wait wait you're skipping it i wasn't kidding (laughs) (laughs) i I was wondering if you really had something there um nothing that that has been uncovered yet (laughs) that i remember okay well if it was under if it was under hypnosis um i I, it hasn't been brought back out that i know of i know i'm putting Uh, you on the spot with that which is like the point of this show. We want to keep secrets and put you on the spot. That is kind of a deep, deep thing, though. So just be thinking about that for like the next episode. Okay. Maybe you'll have, you'll remember something. I don't know. Like, why do I love this film? And why do I always feel the need to defend it? No, I love Wheat Thins. Okay, <laughs> there's, you know, that's a, there's a difference. You have, it's deeper than love. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I am. You know what? You're probably right. Whenever they're like, "Hey, let's watch a Friday the Thirteenth movie," this is the, always the first one I put in. It's because it's just so much fucking fun, dude. That's, that's true. That's how I am. That's how I am when it comes to movies. It's, it's not like I don't give a shit about cinematography. I don't give a shit about this. I don't give a shit about that. I'm sitting there wanting to not only be entertained, but I want to have a lot of fucking fun. And that's what I have with this movie. Not to say that. The other ones aren't fun in their own way. Like uh, part six, Jason lives. It's it's super campy fun, but this one to me is more because there's this one. <laughs> I'm going to use a term that no one has probably ever used when describing Jason goes to hell. This is the perfect horror movie for me. Perfect in it's got character a character that I do love, and I don't want to. I'll get to it. Jason is in this movie. I don't give a fuck if he's in his own body or in another body. Jason, this is a Jason movie. Okay, people are gonna have to accept that. So they take a, the, a horror character that I love. They add, and of course we're talking about the uncut version. We have a super extensive amount of gore. We have likable characters. Every one of these characters that we get to know. I'm not talking about like. You know, Bob the cop who's in it for like two minutes and then he's killed or anything. But every character that we get to know, I love. Excuse me, for their own reasons. Um, love the score. Love the action. Nonstop action in this movie. When there's comedy, the comedy works. It's not like, you know, sad trumpet, oh, that joke fell flat. I think the comedy works here. Um, it's got that kick-ass, you know ending with the freddy glove um likable it's one where it's not just a final girl there is a guy who survives at the end like i said it's it's <laughs> i know we just we, i i'll describe it the same way as we described space balls it's a lightning in the bottle for me you know everything fit perfectly 
Yeah, I totally agree. See? So what's wrong with you then? You know, if no, you think no. there's something... <laughs> Oh, there's there's tons wrong with me. I I like I, that I I'm just stuttering. <laughs> but you're obsessed with this. Uh I wouldn't say obsessed. I don't I honestly don't think anything's wrong with you. I'm just saying I thought it'd be interesting to like try to get to the root of it. Cuz you're definitely yeah. the number one fan of this fucking movie. Yeah, I I am pretty I don't know. I think, like I said, it's just it's it's one of those movies that I just have a, a fun time with. I can't get sick and tired of. There's everything about it I love. Um, the opening sequence when they when they, I love how Jason is blown to bits in the first five minutes. It's hilarious. Um, it's classic. And you know why? To just make it a little different, let's try to understand just a just a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. why people do hate this movie is it okay. uh, is it understandable because i think it's a, I, I, the opening sequence of them just killing jason is so funny to me because here's how, here's how, here's, here's how we'll do it we'll okay. do like a little bit of a plot summary not from beginning to end but i'll do a little bit of a plot summary because unlike parts one through eight where it's campers killed by unseen killer until the very end this one actually has i don't know if more well-developed plot is the right term for it, but this has a a bigger plot than just that um jason Voorhees. now everyone knows who he is okay when we start off he's on the fbi's most wanted list or something like that he is tracking he is chasing a would-be victim who we find out is working for the FBI. She takes him into the woods, and the FBI blow Jason to bits. And in the in the background, we see um, Creighton Duke, who is a bounty hunter, and he just says, I don't think so. We cut to the morgue, where Jason is having the autopsy. <laughs> and um, in a scene we'll describe later, um, he possesses the body of the coroner. The coroner kills a few people, makes his way back to Camp Crystal Lake, kills some more people, then he, we are introduced to Jessica and Steven. They are heroes of this film. We find out that Jason had a half-sister. And Jason now has the ability to obviously body hop from person to person. And the only way he can be reborn, quote-unquote, back into his body is through the body of someone in the Voorhees bloodline which is either his sister Diana or her daughter Jessica or baby uh, Stephanie. And the only way where he can be killed is by someone from the same bloodline as well. Um, and it's it's basically Stephen trying to keep Jessica safe from body hopping Jason until the very end. Um, I absolutely 100% understand why people hate this movie. They, a lot of people hate it in the beginning with Jason being taken out by the FBI, which I think is one of the best scenes in the whole movie. I love how you think it's just your stereotypical uh, Friday the 13th movie. Girl's in a cabin. Girl gets naked. Girl gets chased by Jason into the woods. And you think when she, when she trips and falls, he's going to take her out. But it's great because then suddenly we have 
all these uh, lights light up and they're shining on Jason. And she runs and she dives over a, an FBI agent who's hiding under like a cloak and he jumps out and they're blowing the shit out of him with semi-automatic weapons and this and that. And finally at the end, they blow him up with a mortar. And it's like within like the first five minutes, the, the last image you see of Jason is like his head flying up in the air, spinning. It lands next to his still beating heart. And that's one of those boom, we got you opening sequences. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's got this uh, dual purpose. It's it's one of the most iconic scenes because it's something you as a, a kid would think of. Like, I bet if they lured Jason, you know, and they had the FBI waiting, they could blow him up. Mm -hmm. uh, which is great because it's like some childlike idea actually put into, like, the vision onto film. Mm -hmm. uh, and that works out too. But what I was talking about relating this to the haters is, you know more about this movie than I do big time. So I'm fascinated with, just on the surface... The opening sets the tone for the film in mm -hmm. that it's a fuck you to Friday the 13th fans. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite sort of thing. Yeah. I could, I love when someone just throws a fucking wrench in the, the system of bullshit uh, mm -hmm. that is these sequels. Um, but you know more about it. Maybe did they did the people making this think that this is the next logical step? in the evolution of Jason, because the way you describe the plot, it just seems like uh, over and over a fuck you of horror tropes just to piss people off. Like this movie is a troll and they kind of settled with a body jumping genre to, to write the story within. Well, there's been, there's been different takes on it. Um, Adam Marcus is the director. He, this was his, I think he was like right out of film school when he directed this, him and Dean Laurie, as, as one of the writers, Dean Laurie was the coroner, the white coroner that was killed ah. with the probe. Uh, who the one who has that classic line where he's shit, he's he's shit talking to like Jason's dead body, not knowing that the big coroner's you know possessed by Jason right behind him. He says yeah. he just wants to shit on the mask. Um, there's a lot of talk where Adam Marcus was told by Sean Cunningham, you know the guy who directed the first one, and then he's been executive producer on so many of them. Um, he was told by Sean to get, I think Adam's direct quote was like, get the hockey mask out of there. So I don't know. I mean, Sean denies it. Adam basically says, Sean, you're a fucking liar. Um, this is what you, you know, this is what you told me to do. Um, so they, they got the rights to Jason Voorhees. They didn't obviously new line, obviously didn't get the rights to the Friday the 13th title, which is why um, it's Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, you know, the two New Line films. But I think it's one of those, you know, he said, she said type of situation. Adam basically said, Sean said, basically, get the hockey mask out of there. And then he says, well, how are we going to make a Friday the 13th movie without Jason? Well, I guess let's make him body jump or something like that. <laughs> and I personally love it because it's something new. Okay. This is part nine. Every single movie up until this has been, like I said, campers in the woods, unseen killer, they die until the very end. This isn't that movie. There's so much more to this. I love 
the body hopping uh, idea because it's 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 it plays on invasion of the body snatchers a little bit. You know what I mean? I love all body hopping movies. Yeah, a lot of people have mentioned like this is a ripoff of the Hidden. I've never seen the Hidden. Yes, so... it is. Okay, so I I couldn't relate, but I oh absolutely... my god, wait a minute! Did you just say you haven't seen the Hidden? No, dude. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, you're gonna love that it's one. A, yeah, it's in my queue. I just never gotten around to seeing it. Um, but again, it's something new, and they're like, "Well, why would he, um, body hop all of a sudden?" And I just, I just like, I don't fucking know. It's part nine. Maybe his evil formed into some type of thing, and that's what it is. You know, it's it's Friday the Thirteenth, part nine. Don't take it so fucking seriously. Well, it's a gimmick that allows you yeah. to do lots of fun things. Exactly. I don't think uh, they were like thinking, "Oh, we're gonna rip off the hidden." This is a totally right. different thing. Right. They've been body hopping for 80 years in movies. Right. Um, another thing I love about this movie, I like I said, I love every single character in this movie. I really lo- of course we're going to talk about Creighton Duke. I love him as the bounty hunter. Yeah, it's his it's his movie. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's like it's the Duke show. Yeah. From from just the way he walks, the way he looks, the way he talks shit to the sheriff, to the way he homoerotically breaks Stephen's fingers in the jail. Um, How did he not get a spinoff movie? I don't understand. Not, Adam Marcus is trying to get one done. It should have been done 20 years ago. I know. But he's trying to get one done. Because Stephen uh, Williams is still acting. The last time I saw him, he was in It Chapter 1. Yeah. So he's still... He's yeah, older. He was, uh, yeah. He just dyes hair. That's all you gotta do. Well, I like the idea of his character. Instead of just being obsessed with Jason, he's he. You can you attach him to any monster project. Mm-hmm. He just shows up and he's like, "You don't know shit about creature of the Black Lagoon, motherfucker." <laughs> exactly. He could be, he could just be like this. He, well, he's a bounty hunter, so who knows? Maybe he bounty hunts different supernatural exactly creatures like an X file episode, but really and, fucked and he, up. He was in, I guess he was in the X Files too, so that that's a good connection. You know yeah, what I mean? I didn't even think about that, but like really over the top, like this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's got to be super smooth like this guy. Um, but I love the Steven character because he's he's likable. He's not annoying in in my opinion. I like Jessica's one of my favorite final girls because she's not necessarily the damsel in the distress throughout the whole fucking movie. Because by the end of the movie, she's kicking ass too. Um. <laughs> You like I, Steven's the nerd. Yeah, Steven's the nerd. The, you know what I like? I like about him is that not only is he likable, unlike every other nerd character that you just want to die, see die in horror movies, but he like mm-hmm. kicks ass. Mm-hmm. It's so weird how they subverted that because you yeah. never see the nerd. It's not. It's not even so much that he kicks ass, which he does a little. He does a lot of that, but he's just realistic. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you would do in these situations for the most. I mean, it's it's over the top. Yeah, but he's not just a completely worthless bitch like all other horror movie characters. And what it, what it's like is it's he's he's got his faults too because when we were first introduced to him, he done something in the just in the his relationship with Jessica where I don't know if he got her pregnant and then he like left town or if he just did something wrong because. Jessica's mom was played by Aaron Gray from from Buck Rogers, um, and she's trying to help him get back into the relationship type of thing. So you know he's done something bad, but he's still likable enough where you're cheering for him. You know, 
That's so like that's every I... dude I know. Yeah. I come from a very small town. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming everyone that comes from a small town has 10 friends that are in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, I, I know so many guys that got their girlfriends knocked up and mm-hmm. <sighs> it's tragic, but you know, that's America. Yeah. And then, I mean, I can go through all these characters, but the last ones I'll, I'll talk about, like mainly is I love, I love the owners of the diner. Um, <laughs> they're, no shit. they're probably my, they're probably my favorite characters. Cause first off, I love how Jason is no longer this, this hidden character in the woods. Everyone knows about him. Yeah. So when he's yeah. killed, how does Joey B, the big girl? I love how Joey B is the big woman. And what does she do? She's married to little Leslie Jordan, who's basically like a little, like maybe three or four inches taller than a midget. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I love is that, like, that opposites attract type of thing. And they're funny as hell. But what do they do? They celebrate Jason's dead with a two for one burger sale. And it's perfect, you know, consumerism because what they do is they take a meat patty and they cut meat parts of the ground beef out to make a hockey mask and then they, they use the cutout parts of the ground beef to make the second burger so it's two for one and she just she she gets it she knows how to make a buck with spending a penny you know what i mean well they both That's they I get thought. off to it not not so much the jason aspect the fucking over the customer aspect yes like That's when she when she explains the burger thing to him they just they're they want to just fuck right there yeah because what is it like and it, 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 it's cute it's and capital be- it's like they uh, people smarter people would argue it's some kind of you know capitalism thing which it, I, it's, it's hilarious it's it's so cute because you know um <laughs> and it's great because you know she's shit talking her son ward he's you know the fat the fat son and she's just like mom these burgers aren't working she says oh that's your own dumbass fault she walks back there shows him how to cut the burger you know with her literally with her fingernails she just you know cuts around the meat and says look and that meat makes a whole new patty hence two for one burger sale then little leslie jordan says wow the way this woman talks hold me back you know yeah and they you know they kiss like a couple of uh rednecks and she's the one that dips him because he's so little and then ward says you guys make me sick and then they giggle and stuff it's cute so that's how we're introduced to them but by the end of the movie joey b is this most foul-mouthed character in this whole movie she says the word fuck like every fourth or fifth line and you believe it because she's such a big woman she's so intimidating but if it wasn't for Creighton duke joey b i think would steal the show and i just love like i said her her chemistry with leslie jordan as as she calls him pookie i can't think of his real names but i love how um steven's already broken out of, out of jail and she's trying to to cock the gun, and <laughs> she can't get it. So he's like, "Oh, hold on, baby, let me let me do that." So he does this 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 thing where he he does it in one cock, and he smiles, and then suddenly it almost blows him blows his face off, and she just looks at him. She goes, "Jesus, Pookie," and he just kind of shrugs. You know, it's just it's just a cute rapport with him. I just I love him so much. You know, you might think I'm crazy, but I actually think that subconsciously, she's pretending not pretending but she can't cock the shotgun to like give him something to do it could be because he's so emasculated as a as a mm-hmm. as a husband so mm-hmm. it's like subconsciously she she can't she really can't cock the shotgun mm-hmm. and it's just to like to, to give her husband something to do that's what i think when i see it 
It, you know, I never thought of it that way, but it could be because it makes it really even sweeter. Him, you don't really see him do anything in the movie, like that whole scene where she's doing like she's messing with the handgun. He's just sitting on the counter eating potato chips. You know, he's doing nothing in the whole movie yeah. until he dies. Well, you know what's um, interesting about those two also need a spinoff movie, and this is what you know. Quentin Tarantino is a huge Friday Thirteenth fan. Mm-hmm. They seem like Quentin Tarantino characters, and he's mm-hmm. he's been um trying to fit find his uh, idea for his 10th film he wants to do a horror movie right because he's never made one a directed one and it has to be epic or whatever i think this is your movie quentin yeah a prequel spinoff of joey just call it joey b's (laughs) yeah just have it set at that diner um you know in between uh before jason goes to hell and Mm -hmm. uh jace takes manhattan yeah. So Jason's alive, killing people, but it's never addressed. It's just about mm-hmm. the people that go to that diner. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, that would be amazing. Yeah, but that's like I said, every character I love, and of course, I love you know the action in this movie. There's there's so many action scenes in this movie. That whole scene, or that whole sequence after, I guess um Robert. We'll call him the um, the news reporter after he is possessed by Jason, and he th- that actor is so good at playing that that sleazeball character. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's uh he's now dating Jessica, and at first, what I think is great is the first time we see this um. Robert is his name. First time we see him, it's after Aaron Gray has been killed, uh, by by Jason possessed a cop, and then killed uh, Aaron Gray. And Steven was there, so he got blamed for it. He's the one being taken to prison. So in walks Jessica. Like I said, she's an ex of Steven's. And in walks um, Robert, who is this sleazy tabloid reporter. Basically, he was like um, like Fox News, I guess you would say. Like right now, you know, they, they want to get the ratings type of character. Yeah. And um, he'd already in- introduced Creighton Duke and all this and that. Um, and the first time we see him... He's with Jessica, and Steven is just being taken away for questioning or whatever. And he looks at Steven, he gives him this mean old, like, what the fuck did you do type of look. You know, like, he's got, like, you know, if you're dating a girl and you see the ex, you know, say, like, the ex smacked her around, you're going to give him that look of death, you know, that type of thing. Especially at a police department. Yeah. And then the next time we see him, we find he's, we're in the Voorhees house. (laughs) <laughs> and Steven's hiding in the clo- in the closet or whatever. And Robert's talking to the um the guys from his uh his show. And he's saying we're gonna do secrets from the Voorhees house revealed, you know, and he's got like the Necronomicon in there, you know, as a prop and all these things. And he says, um Jessica's mother's body was stolen from the morgue. How do I know that? Well, because I stole the body and then I went home and fucked her daughter, you know? So he's, he's good with the, the line <laughs> delivery and, you know, just being this disgusting character after we just seen him possibly being a good guy. And then long story short, now he's possessed by Jason. He's going to go get Jessica who is at the police station. And it's probably like the next 40 minutes is nonstop carnage. Him killing all the cops in the police station, him killing every single person in that diner, which includes, you know, Vicky. She's my favorite. She's my other favorite one. The waitress, you know, he thinks she's just cute little redhead, but she's pulling out a shotgun and blowing 
his cheek off and impaling it with a barbecue skewer. And then you go to the chaos at the Voorhees house. It's just nonstop action. And I love it. It's it's probably one of the best action sequences in probably the whole series from beginning to end, nonstop. Well, about that cocktail, uh, not cocktail, just that waitress. I never connected her uh, as the babysitter and mm-hmm. the waitress. Yeah. Because the waitress uniform is very hot. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. But mm-hmm. when she's the babysitter, she wears schlubby clothes. Yeah, she's just like in a white tank top and she's got overalls. See, I thought that was two different people, like my whole life. So I never mm-hmm. understood. I was like, who does he like? Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, the action, you're talking about the action. It actually, this is a huge overstatement or don't get confused. I'm not saying that I think it's the same. It reminds me of James Cameron. The action sequences. I know that sounds stupid because it's this ridiculous movie. But uh, the way that they're shot, it reminds me mm-hmm. of uh, Terminator and Terminator 2. Yeah, you, you can you can say like the whole diner sequence mm-hmm. is like the dance club in the first Terminator. Yeah. You know, it's just chaos all around. And But some of the comical kills, like the way he kills um, uh, with the big, big girl. Joey. Joey. The way he kills her is kind of like T2 kind of thing. There's mm-hmm. a little because there's no humor in the deaths in Terminator One, Terminator right. Two. There's some comical kills that are slightly comical but mm-hmm. gruesome. Yeah, hers is great because you know she's this foul mouthed woman, and it's great because you know, there you know she shows how she's she's foul mouthed. She pulls a gun on Steve and she says, you know, don't you fucking move. You're a fucking felon. And then Jessica's there. She says, give me the baby. She says, fuck you. And then, um. Little Leslie Jordan, Pookie, he says, hey, baby, watch the language. And she looks at him and she says, fuck you. So, again, that comedy. And then uh, Possessed Robert takes Pookie, because I can't think of his his character's name, and she puts him in the deep fat fryer. And, again, Joey's back there beating the hell out of him, saying, you know, cocksucker, all this and that. And then then the ultimate shut-the-fuck-up move, um, Robert, I think, either takes – his elbow or Pookie's head and bashes it into Joey's mouth, making her mouth cave in to make her shut up. And I think that's a perfect use of gore action and actually comedy. If you get the point that he's basically shutting her up because she's just a motor mouth. That is great. The the Mm. death before that, I can't stand the little midget guy getting fried. It makes me, it breaks my heart every time. (laughs) Like that's not a cool kill to me because it's like, I like him. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, that's well, like, it takes balls to do something like that. Well, like I said, it's just it's all the characters are likable, and the gore in this. This is, I think, especially it's the unrated one, because it's K and B. You know, nineteen ninety three K and B. They're just you know starting, so they want to get themselves known. I think this is probably the goriest of the Friday the Thir- or of the Jason movies mm-hmm. um, from. The girl being impaled and then ripped in half in the tent to, you know, uh, Joey B getting her face uh, smashed in. Their son gets his arm snapped, you know, in a really cringeworthy moment. Uh, Randy, the cop, gets his head cut almost all the way off. Everybody, if they, is spitting up blood before they die. Like, Vicky, she gets impaled and her head crushed and they got a lot yeah. of good stuff considering the the constraints of the censors. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I'm surprised they got that much in there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I just watched it with my nephew, mm-hmm. which I don't know why I did, but I was like, you know, <laughs> it's it's one of these movies mm-hmm. that I've seen a thousand times, but I just, yeah. I don't ever, t- I've never taken it seriously. I remember when, which I think is a problem with a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially if you don't like this, um, even when we were kids, we, me and my brothers used to talk about, we called it the holy butter knife. And we'd make fun of it. Like the knife that they have, that they used to, to kill the, you know, it's, it's not a butter knife, but that's what we saw it as, as, a, as kids. That's what oh, we called oh, it. Oh, the, the, the dagger? The dagger. We call it the holy butter okay. knife. Gotcha. Well, and, um, so it's just the silly thing. And I've always just like, let it wash over me. And I've never, I told you tonight, I texted you, I said, I'm watching this with a critical eye. Mm-hmm. So I watched it like I'm an asshole mm-hmm. pret- pretending I'm, you know, a critic or something and just nitpicking and looking for things. And honestly, the only problem, it's not even a big problem is it's more of a wanting thing. Uh, I want more of is the whole opening. The first 15 minutes is so tight with this mm-hmm. i love the back and forth with the news footage and mm-hmm. the talking into the camera it reminds me of paul verhoven robocop all that sort of thing mm-hmm. i wish they would have because you were talking about the sleazeball news host yeah he's kind of like a decent person up until the house reveal it's like he mm-hmm. looks insane he looks like you're like a james bond villain but mm-hmm. he's like kind of a decent person. Um, I wanted to see more cut to him doing the news as the plots go, because that fast paced going back and forth stuff, uh, world building, uh, like Starship mm-hmm. Troopers, Robocop. I absolutely love that. I wish they would have carried that further into the film. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing that's a big thing for me, it's not like a problem, it's just like, damn, I wish they would have made and a little more like that. Um, but now watching this as like paying attention, the, the whole hitchhiker sex scene thing that they mm-hmm. added on, I, you told me they added that on. Yeah, that was, that was added on because initially that wasn't in the final cut. Right. And when they did test audiences, test audiences wanted camp crystal Lake. So they put in the scene with the campers for, you know, the nudity and the extra gore they wanted. Um, they were the the test audience was complaining that there were no kills at Camp Crystal Lake. Well, it's not a problem. I as in, like, it hurts the film to me, or that I even care. I'm just gonna say it because I got nothing else to say. Uh, I mean, other I'm just gonna repeat everything you said about all the awesome shit about this movie. Mm-hmm. That tacked on thing at the beginning is very tacked on. <laughs> like watching it now and not as a kid, I'm like, oh man, this is so out of place. But it's it's so so out of place that I like it, and it's so over the top too because yep. Adam Marcus always said he was he was equal opportunity when it comes to male and female. There's a lot of gratuitous male nudity in that scene, a lot of gratuitous female nudity in that scene. It's probably the most hardcore sex scene in the entire series, and I always thought it was funny. Adam Marcus would always joke that those that couple that was doing it in the tent. They were a former couple in real life, and it's just a coincidence that they got hired to be a couple again. That's insane. But even though that 
scene does feel kind of tacked on. It's one of the most memorable scenes because it's got the best kill in the entire movie, I think, with the camper being ripped in half while on top of the mail. And then you have like that wonderful camera shot, like through the wound on his face as he's getting sprayed. And then suddenly we cut to outside the tent and you hear him laughing. And suddenly you just hear a, you know, sound effect. Well, that's definitely top five kills of the, of the whole franchise. Hold on. Right. Don't you think? Oh, it's, it's my, it's my number one pick. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Cause I don't want to piss anyone off, but I definitely, it's definitely, it's not opinion. It's in the five, top five. Oh yeah. It's like, uh, most people will say the Jason X kill, even like though that movie's so divisive. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really ever want to watch that, but I would acknowledge mm-hmm. that. Uh, um, and still at the same time, I put Jason X in kind of the same category as this movie. It's weird that they're so close. Um, it's still better than the remake for me. Because it still has, like, one foot in the, all of these things we love about, like, the lo-fi, schlocky, mm-hmm. fun Jason stuff. Like, right. the, uh, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to argue about it, um, but it, at least with uh, Jason Goes to Hell, you have that sensibility that mm-hmm. I think is lost when your budget's bigger and you want all of the characters to just fucking die. Right. Well, that's why I said it's a, it's a bonus because all these characters are likable, in my opinion. That never happens. Like, yeah. even with uh, the older, I'm just trying to think of, like, even part two has, does, does part two have an asshole? Uh, yeah. It, you got Remember, you got the, the hot blonde and she skinny dips. You got the asshole that shot her with the slingshot and then stole her clothes when she was skinny dipping. Oh, I don't, that, I don't mind her. I, that asshole guy, though. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. He's the asshole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's a super asshole. Never mind. But he's such a great asshole. Well, well, well Joey B is an asshole too, or a bitch, however you want. But she's she's fun. Oh, she's so she gets a pass. I don't think she's a an asshole. There's a difference between an asshole and a bitch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is maybe it's too complicated. She's so likable, like you're saying, it makes up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way she she talks with everybody. Um. And I like I said, I like. The little Easter eggs to other movies, you know, we have the the Necronomicon, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Robert planted that there. But then what was great was a lot of fans started thinking, well, is this in the same uh, universe as Evil Dead? And then eventually Adam Marcus kept saying, oh, yeah, Jason, we, we intended for Jason to be a deadite the whole time, you know. And I, I, I guarantee you, I mean, he's never st- said this, but I think Adam Marcus is just trolling his haters when he said that uh, his whole plan was for Jason to be a deadite. He just found that in the props section or something. One of his buddies brought it or Sam Raimi gave it to him or something like that. It's, they say it on the commentary. But I love how you see that. You have um, down in the basement, you have the crate from Creep Show, um, you know, that the, that the beast was in. So that was that was fun. Um, the sheriff's cool name. Seeing, uh, it's cool seeing uh, recognizable characters from other genre films like Erin Gray. She's in Buck Rogers, so it was cool seeing her from a sci-fi, the sci-fi fan. Billy Greenbush is the sheriff. He was the dad in Critters. 
So it was really cool seeing him pop up. That's what I'm saying. Um, the Sheriff Landis. Mm-hmm. John Landis. Yeah. Yeah. So although I, I can't forgive Adam Marcus for misspelling the word Voorhees on the mailbox. Um that's <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, defend that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Well, um Yeah, it's just and then what I love is I love the opening sequence with um the coroner because you like you you were saying how you wanted more of like Robert's character like cut in on his new show throughout the movie. I love how the the opening credit sequence was 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 filmed. We have the black title sequence and then you know a couple names in yellow. Then we have the corner messing with Jason's body. Then it cuts to black and we have more names and then the corner messing with the body. And when you see the corner, he he's fun. First, he's being professional, taking out all the bullet wounds and saying, oh, multiple calibers and blah, blah, blah. And then he says something like, this is going to take all night. And then it cuts away. Then it's back to him again. He's holding up Jason's head and he says, in my professional opinion, this guy's deader than shit. Then he giggles, but then he realizes, oh, please straight, strike that last comment from the record. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, just little fun in-jokes. I love how one of the... The FBI agents doing the pat downs is Kane Hodder, you know, and I love how after the coroner is possessed, and he walks away, they're gonna they're gonna get away scot free. They're not gonna kill him until the one that's not Kane Hodder says, "Yeah, we really fucked up that guy," and then you just see the POV of the coroner look at the guys, and then Kane Hodder says, "Ah, he wasn't nothing but a big old pussy, anyways." Yeah. I get a giggle out of that. Kane Hodder's calling Jason a pussy, you know? Oh, um, that's that's one of the best. That's uh one of those things that you can't it's it's mm-hmm. beyond criticism. Yeah. It's a classic scene. Yeah. And I think in a roundabout way, just us talking about this and especially you going into detail, I think it's kinda answered my question, which was about whether or not they were doing this on purpose to mm-hmm. as a fuck you to the to the fans. I think it's just like uh the couple little they're not nitpicks, the things I wanted more of, mm-hmm. a couple little problems that they had sure. with the the writing, all of these things, it's just a the result of not having enough time. Mm-hmm. Uh of course things could always be better if they had more time and money, but you have a creator slash producer mm-hmm. who obviously does not like the the hockey mask Jason movies, mm-hmm. demanding that they do something completely different. Mm-hmm. Then you have all the expectations of the fans who felt mm-hmm. let down with. I uh, just imagine being an adult, mm-hmm. and you you'd seen Jason takes Manhattan, which he's <laughs> he's not in Manhattan until the very end. Yeah. Then with this movie. There, you don't. It's the same exact thing. Like mm-hmm. you don't get to see a Jason character in the flesh, um, like until the very end. They they right, tease him the whole time. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I always tell people. They're like, "Well, it's a Jason movie without Jason." No, that's part five. Okay, yeah. Jason's alive until he's blown up in the beginning. He's alive, you know, after he's he's reborn in, in that very awkward scene with Aaron Gray. Um, when uh, the Jason Demon Baby goes. Now you've seen you watched the unrated cut. Yeah. So in the rated cut, um, to tell people if they have no idea what scene I'm talking about, J- 
Jason has possessed Officer Randy, which is Stephen's best friend. And um, they're at the they're the Voorhees house, and Stephen runs in with a machete, and he knows Officer Randy's, obviously Jason, and hacks him with a, a machete, and he almost takes Randy's head clean off. And it's a great effect. Like, his head's just hanging out by a thread. And this weird little demon baby creature comes out of his neck for reasons, and it's scurrying around on the floor. And it, it's, it's really creepy, just the way it, it it's... It moves around in this sped up motion or whatever, and like this, the close ups and there's this, the way um, the sounds it makes. And then it somehow it leaps on either Steven or Jessica, and one of them throws it down in the basement. Well, earlier on, when Steven was hiding in the closet, and Robert comes in, talks about how he stole Jessica's mom's body from the morgue, um, he hid it in the closet, and the body fell out of the closet and into the basement. Well, the body's still down in the basement. And it's this great line. Um, uh, Steven and Jessica and Duke are there. And Steven's like, you know that that thing about Jason being reborn through the body of a Voorhees woman? He says, does it have to be a living woman? And Stephen Williams as Creighton Duke, again, he's the star of this movie. He does this great, he's got this great, oh no, look on his face. And he just shakes his head, no. And he says, that thing is in the basement with Jessica's mother. And then he's got this perfect line delivery. He says, holy mother of God. And you, in the rated cut, you just see the POV of the monster. And then it said, you know, it looks past the creep, the, the creep show crate. And then it sees the legs <laughs> of, of Diana. And then the POV shot just goes, zoop. But in the unrated cut, you actually see the demon creature kind of struggle to get in there. And it goes, Whoop. Best, but some cool, funny info. Aaron Gray did not know about that scene until watching it in the theater at their premiere, and she was so disgusted and pissed <laughs> off. Yeah, she probably wanted more pay for that. Ugh. But you, there's a term with like uh, actors when you do something gross. Yeah, you you get paid more. Mm-hmm. Uh, she probably got fucked out of that extra <laughs> check. Yeah, but um. So then, you know, Jason's reborn at the end, but everyone's saying it's a Jason movie without Jason. He's possessing these people, so it's technically still Jason. These people, I think, are just so nitpicky and cranky and, I guess, butthurt because it's not him in his own physical form. And that's just them, I think, being a little too anal, you know what I mean? Well, that's what I've been saying the whole time is I'm Mm -hmm. trying to, for once, like understand these people a little bit more than just like i usually just like i since i was a kid just write them off like go fuck Mm -hmm. yourself yeah but i guess if i'm that big of a loser and i was like offended a little bit with jason takes manhattan and then the next movie Mm -hmm. is this you know bizarro body jumping shit Mm -hmm. um but there's nothing we can do about that because that's the way things work out. Like uh, my big point about this is why Friday the 13th is the best franchise is uh, just imagine if it didn't have Jason goes to hell, it's little fucked up things like that. Additions <laughs> that make it so special. Yeah. We have a fucked up body jumping Jason movie. You know what I mean? If you want to see the standard camper slasher thing, you got a ton of those too. It's just 
the mm-hmm. diversity is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just just chill out. Yeah, I mean, I would just, I would, I mean, it would be great if this was a horror movie without Jason, you know, and just a body jumping movie would be great. That's what but, I was thinking. It would be so. It wouldn't be. I don't think it would be better, but it would be a great right. movie that people wouldn't be bitching about. Yeah, I think the only reason why they hate it is because it's a body hump, body jumping movie, but it's a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, they would love it for the fact that that it had nothing to do with Jason Voorhees. Dude. Which I guess I could see their point, but I'm like, come on. Like I said, after eight films of the same fucking thing, the only difference we got was in part seven you know we got the telekinetic girl that's basically the only change somewhat to the the hack and slash that we've had for eight previous films yeah i don't know that's the you know i'm not gonna keep shitting on the 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 remake no but the the remake the the problem with movies like that there's a bunch of these Mm -hmm. is when they try to explain away the mystery it's like to me, explaining away the mystery and the mm-hmm. origin is two steps backwards. Mm-hmm. At least with Jason Goes to Hell, they're adding lore. Yeah. That's... Uh, there, there, was another, there was another thing people didn't like, just be- because now finally we mentioned that Jason had a, a half-sister or a sister or whatever. Oh, yeah. that's But that again, that's just the standard trope. Yeah. Of... Yeah, that's all it is. That's insane. And, you know, you were talking about... Um, there was some reference to... Uh, Friday Thirteenth Five. The problem with all of these movies that I have, even though I'm hardcore Friday Thirteenth fan, is we have to accept the reality of what these are. These these are products mm-hmm. that are made by artists or con men, and then bastardized by uh, marketing, uh, um, censorship. Where mm-hmm. what the final product? We're so lucky to even have something as half decent as what we grew up with but aside from that there my biggest problem is that none of these are really well made like the and that's why i've always thought friday the 13th is the best because it has the most potential Mm -hmm. it has all these elements if someone really truly genius came along i'm done with sequels to this shit i don't care about friday the 13th i don't want them to try to do um what would it be now part I, I know it would be the 13th movie, but technically it would be part 12, right? Uh, X... Well, if it would be the 12th solo movie, not counting Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, and yeah. the 13th film. Yeah, if you count Freddy vs. Jason, it'd be number 13. This is the same thing, I the problem I have with James... I know this is a little off topic, but... No, but... It, it relates to James Bond, too. <laughs> not Not that... Did you see the trailer for the new James Bond? I watched half of it and turned it off. I could not believe it. Um, that aside, James Bond has this problem in that it's the film adaptations are put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. They're so desperate for Ian Fleming stories because they, they've used all of his stories. They don't have any left. Now they're mm-hmm. resorting to finding hidden napkins with scribblings on them <laughs> like mm-hmm. his attic. Yeah. They're desperate. They're tearing the walls apart looking for something he wrote on so that they can make a new James Bond film. I say start over. Mm-hmm. Do Dr. No or Casino Royale, the original book, 
mm-hmm. but do something different. Like those, you'll always have those movies, but why instead of trying to make up stuff, go back to the source material. Source material. Same thing with Friday the Thirteenth. Let's go back to Camp Crystal Lake. Let's but give uh, smart people a chance to make these. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want a sequel. I want, and I don't. It's not necessarily a reboot. I just want these made by people that are talented and and there aren't as uh restricted um instead of just the same old thing which is like but you know at the same time these movies what makes them special is that they're the products of having one arm tied behind their back Mm -hmm. so you can't really win either way right but i do love them and i think if you didn't have Jason Goes to Hell, the series would be just slightly more lame. Yeah. And it makes it special. That's what I said. This is the most fun I have of the series. I think probably the best made would be the final chapter, part four. Yeah. You know? Um, And there's so many other ones that are good. Like, two is awesome. Two, Um, four. Five is fun trash. You know? It's grown on me. Um. Six is the is the best, you know, probably in my top three because it's the that's the first, I would say, self aware one. You know what yeah. I mean, Jason. Loves. But I don't have as much fun with any of these ones other and more than I do. Jason goes to hell. And just as a clarification, mm-hmm. when we had our Jason Friday the Thirteenth franchise discussion, mm-hmm. I was telling you one of my favorite hot girls is I, th- I think Jessica Voorhees. I wasn't talking about Pamela Voorhees. <laughs> She's hot yeah. too. But in part five, Jessica Voorhees is the girl with the biggest tits you've ever seen. Deborah Voorhees. Deborah Voorhees, that's it. There you go. We had a little confusion there, but... I still think it was funny that you that you said Pamela, so... yeah. Hey. Betsy Palmer was a hottie back back in the day, so yeah, we lo- I verified that. Yeah, <laughs> she was really hot. But I, I I personally don't know what else I can say about this. I mean, it's just it's just so much fun. I I've, I've been repeating myself. You know, the fantastic gore, the action sequences, all the likable characters, the ending where Freddy's glove comes up, and that's really Kane Hodder. So that's kind of cool and pulls Jason's mask down into hell. I love the supernatural effect. You know, at the end when she, when Jessica gets that final kick of the dagger and plunges it in Jason's heart, you have like heaven opening up above Jason. But then you have like these giant, like Muppet hands and tree demons dragging him down into hell. And it's just, it's so much fucking schlock and fun, dude. I, I kind of like, I've grown to like it even more how his last fight like when he's beating up steven it's hand to hand he's just playing with with steven you know he's throwing him around like a rag doll yeah it's a lot of fun you know um i'm interested there's, to there's know a, what the director thinks yeah it, with the, oh and there's there's plenty of don't get me wrong there's plenty of what the fuck moments that don't belong like um the <laughs> the scene where the coroner needs to change his body so he kidnaps josh straps him naked to the table and shaves him I think Adam Markets just said, I wanted a what the fuck moment, and there you go. Well, it's just beautiful. <laughs> Especially on the Blu ray. It's like really nice looking composition. 
<laughs> Jason just, I don't know what it was. Maybe Jason didn't like being hairy anymore, you know? So he he shaved him everywhere. And uh, he felt like a new man, literally. But, um, yeah, that was just that was just a weird what-the-fuck moment. And then there's a lot of gross moments, too. Like, after Josh transfers <laughs> the demon baby with the kiss of death, like, mouth-to-mouth <laughs> with Robert and everything... And then Josh's body starts melting in this disgusting fashion. Yeah. Oh. Like first, like his face just starts to melt. And then we cut to like Robert, like sitting up. And then I think it's like Josh's face is against the wall and he pulls his skull off the wall. Like there's, it looks like snots connected from his face to the wall. And then we cut to Josh again and he's now like a skeleton on the ground, but he's like lifted up his arms and everything and his guts are on the floor. It's, it's wonderful, disgusting, disgusting, gross effects, and it works. I like that because they space out the effects. It's very, they're smart about that. Every Mm -hmm. effect, because there's so many effect shots in the movie, can't be some mind-blowing thing. So you have some really cheesy looking, like they're shooting ketchup on a wall, Mm -hmm. like in the police station. Mm-hmm. someone's and then the next you know then you'll have some super gross out thing mm-hmm. i like the 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 pacing of it yeah um and then more more to make a steven likable I, I just thought of it the scene where he first sees his daughter for the first time and yeah. like she's she, you know she's in the little potato box or whatever in the back of the diner and he's like oh i don't even know your name and he's like you know she's holding on to his finger and everything and then Ward comes in. Ward's the son of Joey B. Yeah, and, it's a and twofer. Poofy. It's a great scene because he's like, Stephen, what are you doing here? And then he's like, this is my baby. It's the first time I've ever seen my baby. And then Ward looks behind over his shoulder because Joey B is, you know, making burgers or something. And he throws his car keys to Stephen. He says, get out. And not like, get out or I'm going to tell. He's like, get out or you're going to get caught. He says, get out. But Ward, get out. You know this that line delivery and you don't think it's that big of a deal but just the way i think the character who plays or the actor who plays ward the way he's telling steven get out i'm your buddy i'm letting you have my car to get the hell out of here before my gun-toting mom blows a hole in your head you know well that's exactly why it's i was saying it's a twofer because mm-hmm. you're getting uh character development at the same time and mm-hmm. what you were saying about how all these characters are likable this is so mm-hmm even if you hate this movie, you have to at least acknowledge that because in most, if any other asshole made this movie, um, that character would have been a fat retard. Mm-hmm. He would have probably almost went to, went to squeal on him mm-hmm. to his mom. And when she's making fun of him and ridiculing him, it would be, it would ring more, you know, true, mm-hmm. but they're like realistic. Char- it's just such a weird movie. Yeah. Why does then- this horror movie have so many likable characters? <laughs> I and then I love um this the scene where um what is it Randy Stevens already broken out gotten out of prison and Randy goes to pick him up Randy you find out is basically they've been best friends since high school you can tell that right yeah and <laughs> Stevens already went to Jessica's house um she thinks he's killed Robert but it's really you know Jason type of thing she kicks him out of the car, leaves him on the side of the road. Randy picks him up, and um, <clears throat> Steven sees a cop car coming, right? He's got his hands up in the air like, hey, 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 don't don't shoot or whatever. And then he sees Randy getting out. Randy's pissed because Steven took Randy hostage 
during all the the chaos and um so randy's you know you know huffing and puffing kind of like um mama fratelli like in in the goonies when she's chasing the goonies down the tunnel yeah yeah and he's all pissed off and then steven's got his hands up like he's scared like if the cop's gonna hurt him and then he just puts his hands down and he goes oh it's you randy and then he gets punched in the face and they do this whole like girly fight on the trunk of the car and they fall over and then randy tells steven get in the car steven fuck that you get in the car i have a gun fuck that i have a gun you know yeah the comedy is it, it they're likable characters they're fun together and it just adds to liking steven even more because previously we had that hero moment um you know steven and i always thought it was cool when i was a kid steven's being you know he's he's walking in handcuffs hands behind his back and robert's trying to kill you know possessed robert's trying to kill jessica and steven like does this you know he jumps up in the air and he pulls his hands from behind his back in front of himself that's a sarah connor moment yeah takes randy's gun knocks him out with an elbow and just starts blowing the shit out of him it's like he's gone from from nerd like he's not really a nerd we're just calling him a nerd because you know he's got glasses and like a letterman's jacket you know he's a nerd no he has glasses he's a nerd (laughs) (laughs) but this is his hero moment you know like you said sarah connor moment this is him becoming the hero of the movie and that reminds you of terminator 2 a little bit Mm -hmm. when she's getting out of the insane asylum she hits the dude with the room i I forgot about jumping over the the cuffs that's what triggered it for me Mm -hmm. and but you know he's like nailing them with the shot yeah and then of course the final shot is like right between the eyes and it's just it's it's great you know it's a great hero moment well you know his friend uh the deputy again mm-hmm. if this had been any other movie that would have been what's his uh name arquette from scream yeah it would have been some literal fucking redneck retard but mm-hmm. they have this real it's just weird how i've never thought about this before but all the characters are like um very um relatable and realistic mm-hmm. and likable especially um even the the even the shoehorned fuck death scene it has the the main chick is so nice mm-hmm. she's like the no that, you you keep the, the one tent. that's the one that's flirting with steven in the front seat yeah she says keep the tent for the whole night mm-hmm. i'm just gonna look at the stars and you know mm-hmm. that her friends are, like are gonna be fucking five feet away and she's gonna be freezing yeah, because they just got out of done skinny dipping. She's drying her clothes. Like she looks at him and she just shakes her head and like giggles. She's like, "Yeah, I'll be out here in the dirt tonight." You know. She, but she's a good person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm about to cry. I'm just yeah, kind of. I'm kind of touched. <laughs> I thought we were just watching a silly uh, Jason movie. Yeah, but see, it, it, that's what I. That's what I mean. How it's just, just it's so good. And then there's there's so many more memorable scenes. Like, oh, and um. Randy, the deputy that you, that uh, I like, I think he's Adam Marcus's brother. Yeah. So that's, yeah, he, he's yeah. a way better actor than Adam. Well, Adam's only in the one scene, and all Adam does is yell "fuck" a whole bunch of times until he gets punched out by Duke. Mm. You know, which is another great scene because, you know, all this chaos is happening. Duke, or Adam Marcus, plays a cop, and he's just you know calling for backup, and he's running down, and sees all the, the leftovers, I guess. He's running saying, fuck, fuck, fuck. And suddenly he runs past Duke's cell. And Duke just sticks his arm out and Adam Marcus literally runs into his fist. Yeah. And then Duke yeah. just stands up, 
you know, brushes off his head like it's another day in the office. Oh, I guess I'll be escaping jail again. You know, one of those type of things. It's that's what makes Creighton Duke so cool. And I like how there's some mystery to him because in the final sequence, you know, when everything's going crazy at the Voorhees house, he puts his handcuffs on Jason. Like he handcuffs Jason to him and then he handcuffs himself to like a table or something. And he says, hey, asshole, remember me? So, you know, he's been he's ha- he's got some history with Jason, but you don't know what it is. Um, I like that mystery, although I would have loved to have seen inside the training camp, because when Robert's talking to him, he says, I talked to Duke at his very own training camp. And you see just the training camp in the distance. Yeah. You don't see anybody, but it's it's that would have been cool. But with that iconic line about the pink dress. Yeah. Um. And then just everything out of Duke's mouth is golden. Like when he's um flirting with uh Diana at the diner. Uh and he, he he's making her feel uncomfortable because, you know, I know who you are, Diana, basically. I know you're Jason's half sister, whatever that shit is. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Sheriff Billy Greenbush. And he says, What what did it was he say? don't you talk to my lady like that? And she says, well, she's just your lady because she hadn't had a taste of the Duke yet. <laughs> and then he, he, you know, he's, he grabs him and he gets him face to face and he's like, why don't you blow me, chief? Right after your girlfriend gets through. It's like, he, he doesn't fear the law, you know, because yeah. he's been arrested many, many times, obviously. That's like a scene um, right out of the Western. Exactly. He's like the lone gunslinger, you know what I mean? Not enough of that. Yeah. Everything and you're then, talking about, we need more. And then I, I love this strangely homoerotic scene where he's breaking Stephen's fingers in the, in the jail because Stephen wants to get out to save Jessica. He knows Duke knows everything. So Duke's saying, okay, well, you want this info. You got to pay the price. So he takes Stephen's hand. And he actually caresses it. And then he grabs it and this <laughs> breaks one finger and Stephen the mixture of the sound effect and then John LeMay, the actor scream and just falling like dead falling to the ground. Perfect. I like him. He's a good, uh, he's, 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 he's not great or anything. He does a good job. He does his job. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to suck his dick or anything, which you know, <laughs> I, I suck a lot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the guy who plays the, the Duke uh, character mm-hmm. just completely, blows him out of the water like he's so good in that scene that he makes the the nerd ba- look bad and which what i love about that is just the way he handles himself like you got the first uh finger break and then you got the second one he breaks the second one after steven's gone we got this shot of of steven williams and he just he's smirking he kind of licks his lip like he's enjoying this yeah and then by the third time he says, nah, he's like, okay, basically saying, okay, white boy, you're tough. This one's on the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, but it's way more subtle than that. Like uh-huh. in, in the all the, it's in the eyes. Uh-huh. The way that you can see him actually reacting to the, the white guy not being a pussy anymore. Uh-huh. And there's like four different transitions in his eyes of going from, I'm going to break this cracker's finger again uh-huh. to I'm going to give him a freebie. Yeah, because he even takes, I think, like, I think he, uh, he smirks and he kind of takes it like a deep breath and he says, this one's on the house. Like, yeah. he, he knows. Yeah, he's, he's grown to respect this little guy. He's an incredible actor. 
Mm-hmm. He might say some stupid shit, uh, but it, uh, or some ridiculous lines, but he's he's actually mm-hmm. a really good actor. Yeah, and then again, well, well, my last thing before you know, I, I I get done running the the Duke character into the ground. It's it's again his line delivery. Duke eventually falls into the basement of the Voorhees house. Okay, and he lands on a piece of wood and he's impaled in the leg, and possessed Randy is going to uh, take uh, the baby, you know, possess the baby or whatever. And he's yelling at Jessica to get the dagger. Or know what it is. It's, you know, it's, we don't know if it's possessed Randy or possessed Billy Greenbush. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, she's trying to reach the dagger and she gets it and she's got to stab one of them, but she doesn't know which one to do. So it's kind of a cool little cheesy Mexican standoff type of, type of deal. Or like the whole, like, you know, one of your buddies has been cloned. Hey, which one is the real one? You know, stab them both type of gimmick that we've seen numerous times. Like the thing. Yeah. and But it's just the way uh, Stephen Williams, he, he yanks that broken piece of wood out of his leg. And he just yells, do it or die. You know? And it's just, it's great. It's great line delivery. And I just, I just love it. I can't help but think how much cooler it would have been if at the end of the movie, he like brushes himself off. And they're like, Duke, where, the nerd's like, where are you going now, Duke? And he's like, it pans to like a shot of his hand, and he's got the symbol of Thorn on it. And he's like, I gotta oh, go. God. He's like, I gotta go to Haddonfield and deal with this this fucking bitch or something. So I'm like, he's oh. the man. Duke's the man in black. Imagine how much better those pieces of shit would have been yeah. if he was in that. Creighton Duke needs to hunt down all of the, like, or maybe he's a. I got, or you you just see him. Um, no, it it ends. Um, Jessica and Stephen and the baby are walking out in the sunset. You know that cool little shot. Jason's mask gets dragged down to hell. You got the credits. Post credit sequence. We're at a bus station, and this guy says, uh, and we're we're looking at the, the clerk or whatever, and we don't see who he's talking to, and then he says, "Where are you headed?" And then it pans to Duke. He says, Texas. Or, like he's going after Leatherface. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I only say Haddonfield because in you know the thorn they have, the man in black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want that movie. Oh, Texas is cool too. I want all of them. But first, I want him to be digitally inserted into those horrible Halloween movies. I want the whole things redone with like a theatrical release. Put him in those movies. Mm-hmm. God, that would be awesome. Yeah. But I think we did good. To, I, I'm very surprised that we got an hour and 20 minutes out of this and we talked. I I, I was coming into this for the first time with nothing to say. <laughs> oh, well, you know, other like than said, I'm a fan of the film. Mm-hmm. But we I mean, covered a lot of shit today. I'm not going to keep running because you said we've already been over an hour, but I probably could. I didn't mention you know, the whole coroner scene where he's chewing on the, the heart like it's a piece of steak. And it's just, oh God. yeah, there's so much more of this movie that I can gush over. But You can talk as like long you said, as you want. Yeah. But like you said, I'm not going to suck its dick. So <laughs> um, I think I've already done that enough. I've at least played with the balls. So, but... I had a lot of fun. Hey, yeah. That's why the wife, the wife, that's when she finally said something. Um, I don't know how else I can say. I, I enjoy this film quite a bit, you know? 
the more that I think I've I've always enjoyed it, but the more I think about it, the more I love it. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, also, like I said, how I love when people throw wrenches into the system mm-hmm. and try to do something different. I'm also kind of just a little bit excited that there's people watching this and they're pissed because <laughs> they're because they hate this movie and they just wasted an hour and 20 minutes of people saying positive things about it mm-hmm. and i mean there's more i could talk about like there's a there's a there's a, a work print that that i that i have where we actually see vicky has a boyfriend and of course it's adam marcus and more male nudity you know he's because he makes the boyfriend naked for some reason and then he's killed by Jason. And then in the work print, we actually see a huge, a, a bigger uh, shot of the Jason demon baby. And it looks really cool. Um, but they just cut it for time and stuff like that. Wait, um, what's the quality of this work print? Very shitty VHS. Okay, so it's a standard work print. Yeah. They're all like that. I was like, maybe it's they have like really nice deleted scenes or something. There, There's deleted scenes on the on the DVD. But they're nothing special. No, no gore, no nothing. There's like I think, Stephen and Vicky and I think Randy are like prank calling people, and there's a couple other filler scenes, but nothing important. Let me guess. All the scenes from the work print, which are the video dailies, the all mm-hmm. the original film prints are destroyed. Um, I mean, you can find the work print on YouTube. No, the I'm... the film that they they transferred to video right the day that they shot it. Uh-huh. Those canisters of film, they usually destroy them because they don't store stuff that doesn't make it to the final cut. I'm saying, did the director ever acknowledge that? I don't know. I mean, I've talked to Adam. I'm in a Friday the 13th group that's just Jason Goes to Hell related. And Adam Marcus is in there talking oh, all the oh. time. Like, Well, then you got to ask him. Oh, I will. I'll talk to Adam. All I talk to him all the time. He's real good at responding to fans. Speaking of, they just got their... their their uh, Indiegogo thing met. They're they're making this documentary now on the making of Jason Goes to Hell. Oh my God! Adam Adam's behind it. They got John D. LeMay in it. I think uh, Stephen Williams, who was Creighton Duke's, going to be in it. The guy that was the corner is going to be in it. Um, so many awesome. fans are going to be in it. Yeah, it, they just made their Indiegogo uh, minimum, you know, to get everything funded. So that that I'm very excited. They just did that I think last week. So, holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and like I said, Adam's really, really cool when it comes to fans. You know, he's he's it's it's really cool now seeing that the 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 enjoyment for this movie is starting to come forward now. Like ten years ago, everyone hated this fucking movie, but me. You know what I mean? And I've seen Adam in videos and you can really tell that he does appreciate that this movie is now starting to get a bunch of love. So I can't wait for that to come out. I mean, they haven't started filming or anything. They just met the, you know, the funding or whatever minimum, but yeah, the, the fan, uh, Indiegogo fan funded documentary about it. Mm -hmm. That comes out like early. It's supposed to come out now, but they delayed it to like 2020. So, Mm-hmm. like may tw- i can't wait it's gonna yeah. be like three hours every person that was in that movie it's just like what you're talking about um mm-hmm. so that's a great thing that's come out of um nerds and indiegogo type things like because the mm-hmm. studios don't give a fuck about anything that's mm-hmm. what 
like, I'm not going to go into this, but I just have to make a point that they don't give a shit about people. It doesn't make sense to me that this... Okay, the stand has been $13 at Walmart for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's gone down recently. Now it's 30 and there's no special features? Yeah, that's why I haven't bought it yet. Like, and you know what I hate? Re- uh, I, I don't know if people agree with me, but I hate when the slip cover has the mm-hmm. same art as the DVD. Mm-hmm. So I had to, like, do this myself. Because I don't want to see the stupid crow. Right. But, um... Just stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. like, I know that they, the studios see digital media as dying. Mm-hmm. It's in its final death row, which might be true. true. But just put a little effort mm-hmm. into your product. So, But at the same time, I, I'm, I'm not trying to delay this or anything. But because the, the system is so evil, uh, mm-hmm. the fans, literal fans, have to do Indiegogos and make yep. films. So, and a lot of them turn out really good. Like the Pet Cemetery one was fantastic. That's the same guy. It, oh, is it? He's doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I follow well, him. That, on, that you got to follow good. him on Instagram. Okay. But then, like the they did the the one for Nightmare on Elm Street, Never Sleep Again. That one was fantastic. Incredible. Uh, Crystal Lake Memories. That one was great. So yeah, when it's it's, when it's not a big company like you said, they put the effort. They get everyone. This one with uh, the Adam is Adam's not directing it, he but he's like producing it. They even got the girl who played the baby to participate in this. Yeah. So that's how far back they're going. You know what I mean? Well, I think um, with the Never Sleep Again, Heather Landenkamp, like was the executive producer. Mm-hmm. So imagine if they didn't have her. Right. It probably would have been made. Like. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking it's a documentary. You just you're putting person in a chair and letting them talk. Mm-hmm. How much of a budget do you need to do that? Right. So, yeah, all those I'm very excited about. Uh, that's uh, do they have a uh, ETA for Jason Goes to Hell? Honestly, I have no idea since the Indiegogo was just made. Um, I follow Adam on Twitter and. He doesn't post on Twitter very much, but like I said, he's he's very active in that Jason Goes to Hell Facebook group. Um, so I know when he figures out when production starts, he's gonna say it uh, as soon as possible. Okay, well you're you got to get him on here. We got to talk. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? He's actually down for doing podcasts with with people too. So maybe I will. Because I want to pick his brain a little bit. Does he? I, I just want to know. Does he like? Well, what's cool is he he pokes fun at himself too because he I'll send you the trailer for like the Indiegogo thing. He's like, why would so why would a uh, a company like New Line grab a twenty four year old loser right out of film school and make put him in charge of a Jason Voorhees movie? And why did I misspell Voorhees on the mailbox? All this <laughs> and more, you know. So he 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 pokes fun at himself, and uh, that just makes him more likable too. I think he knows the movie's faults. And he he doesn't shy away from them, but he also takes pride in the product he made as well. So I like that. Yeah, you said twenty four. He's like a like a horror Orson Welles. Orson mm-hmm. Welles wrote, directed, starred, produced, says he came when he was twenty four. And see, there you go. 
Jason Goes to Hell is the Citizen Kane of the Friday the 13th series. Not too shabby. See? All right. His rosebud is the uh, the mailbox. Is the heart. Or the heart, yeah. The heart. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know what else we could say. Basically, everyone knows I love this, and I think Frenzy really enjoys it, if not loves it. Love it. Um, So with that, I want to remind everybody about the uh, the Christmas present contest. Um, I said it at the beginning, but if you're still with us after all this talk, bless your hearts. Comment below saying your favorite Christmas movie, even if it's Elf. We will have a drawing, and we will pick a lucky winner of this mystery Christmas present from Frenzy and I. Um, thank you to everyone who's watched and listened. Um, you can find me, uh, Hey Internet Eric here. Uh, just type that in. I got a Facebook page. I got an Instagram page. I got a Twitter page. Twitter's also at movies underscore beer 365. com takes you to the YouTube channel for this. And it's got links to everywhere. You can follow us or listen to us. Um, I am on the Schlocky Horror Podcast show with, with my buddy Johnny. Our Christmas special is going to be recorded this weekend. We are doing the Black Christmas remake from 2006. Super excited. I love that film. Oh. Reggie's shows like he doesn't. Um, you're not gonna. You're just doing that one. Yeah, we're just doing that one. Then we're gonna take uh, the rest of the month of December off. But I will still be busy. I will be back on the graveyard shift for three more episodes this month. Jack Frost two, Black Christmas remake, and Rare Exports, which I've never seen, it's but I know good. all about it. Um, so. I'm very busy. Uh, Frenzy, when you're not thinking about little girls in pink dresses sticking hot dogs through donuts, where can we find you? Um, you can find me right here at Two Bearded Losers. Always. And at my name, Alexander Prince. I'm all over the place, social media. Which I don't understand why, but I'm there. <laughs> hey, the world needs a creeper, and we're glad it's you. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, once again, thank you for watching and listening. Um, One more episode, and then we're taking a little bit of a Christmas holiday break. Um, But until then, I will see you in the next episode. Mm